0: I was lucky enough that USA Today at the time, and this is 15 years ago, said I had invented the most annoying form of advertising on the internet at that time. <laughs> I originally created that as a tool, and we turned it around and became a media company. My claim to fame is that I got to be a director of a shoot with Mariah Carey, and that's a whole long all day story. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry.
2: Hey everybody, Jason Patria here and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks exactly like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Happy LGBTQ Plus Pride Month. It is June and summer is right around the corner and I am proud to be amplifying and highlighting the voices of members of the LGBTQ Plus community. In partnership with the Out and Equal Workplace Advocates, we are bringing to you a month of amazing role models in the space. So visit leadwithyourbrand.com backslash pride to check out some of our favorite episodes from past seasons, including celebrity chef Susan Feniger, Gordon Bellamy, the head of Gay Games Professionals, and Aaron Uridis, the CEO of the fabulous Out and Equal Workplace workplace advocates. Now I am super excited to have our guest today. It is Jennifer Henderson, who is the Senior Vice President of Systems Engineering Delivery for Corporate and Institutional Banking at PNC. Now I met Jen at the Out and Equal Workplace Summit. Now, I'll have her in just a few minutes, but before we have Jen on, I want to talk a little bit about your brand. Now, when I think about your brand, it's easy for people to say, hey, my brand is all about the degrees I have and the certificates I have. But here's the thing, where you went to school, doesn't really matter once you're in the workplace now don't get me wrong because i know some of you are saying i spent a lot of money for that degree or i spent a lot of money for that those certificate programs and all of those things that are required to apply for a job but remember Those are just eligibility requirements. And now, for those of you that are earlier in your career, you're certainly using the name of your school or that certificate program as a co-branded place because you don't have a lot of experience. But remember, once you're in the workplace, how you operate is what really defines how you lead with your brand. Let me say that one more time. How you operate is what really defines how you lead with your brand. Now, I want you to think you went to school with someone that if their resume or their CV came across your desk, you would never hire them in a million years. And guess what? They've got the same degree as you. They went to the same school. But you would still never hire them because... Their brand is how they operate, how they act, and how they behave every single day. And for all of us, we know that one person who you would never hire that you went to school with. So I want you to start thinking about the actions and behaviors that you demonstrate every single day and focus on that before you get caught up in what I'm going to wear or how my desk should be laid out. It has to be core about your behaviors and how people describe them. Well, I can't think of a better guest than Jen Henderson to really talk about actions and behaviors and understanding your brand DNA. Now, Jennifer Henderson is the Senior Vice President of Systems Engineering Delivery for Corporate and Institutional Banking at PNC. She formerly held the position of Senior Manager of Retail and Direct Technology at Capital One, as well as Regional Director of Technology for Possible WPP, and was even the CT and co-founder of Rovion Inc. and Valley Info Systems. Now, Jen also volunteers a ton in the community, including being a board member of Glisten Cincinnati, an AIDS volunteer of Cincinnati, and, of course, she is a member of the board of directors of the Out and Equal Workplace Advocates. She's even been honored by being named the Grand Marshal of the 2016 Cincinnati Pride Parade and has been honored by Out and Equal in 2018 with the Audi Champion of the Year Award. I'll be back in just a few moments with Jen Henderson. Happy LGBTQ plus Pride Month, everyone. It is June, and I still remember marching in my first Pride Parade with the University of Southern California all the way back in 1992. But you know, even though most of our Pride celebrations in person have been canceled, it is still a great time to do a little bit of self-reflection and personal development. Now, the Lead With Your Brand podcast has partnered with the Out and Equal Work. Workplace Advocates, an incredible organization that advocates for workplace equality. And each week in June, we'll be featuring an outleader with an amazing career story and personal brand journey to share. In addition, I'll be hosting two special roundtable episodes of Lead With Your Brand, where we will explore issues around the trans experience and the intersectionality of race and ethnicity and being LGBTQ plus in the the workplace. Now, Out and Equal will be providing discussion guides for each of our shows, so we encourage you to use the podcast as a virtual book club with your employee resource group or a group of friends. Listen to the episodes and then schedule your own group discussion with the discussion guide as part of your Pride programming and celebration. Make sure you check out leadwithyourbrand.com backslash Pride for more information and to hear some of our favorite shows from Season 1 and two that feature LGBTQ leaders, including the fantastic CEO of Out and Equal, Aaron Uridas. Happy Pride, everyone. And we are back. I am super excited about today's guest. It is Jennifer Henderson, who's the Senior Vice President of Systems Engineering Delivery for Corporate and Institutional Banking at PNC. Jen, how are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing so well. It's so good to be here.
2: I'm so thrilled to have you on, especially for LGBTQ Plus Pride Month.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's going to be a great month, even though everybody's getting out in the world. We've got our shots. We're seeing our faces for the first time. We just all have to forgive the COVID-15 pounds that we've all gained over the last year as we as we go out and start enjoying our Pride Month.
2: Exactly. But we're going to burn it off with pride. So, Jen, tell me a little bit about when you first meet people. If you're at a networking reception or you're introduced to people in the workplace, how do you explain who you are and what it is that you do?
0: It's interesting. I'm, I'm a person who is very comfortable doing a presentation in front of. Five thousand people. I, I I eat that up. I love it. I like being on stage. I like communicating with large groups of people and getting that feedback. And so COVID's been really rough on me because I've only been doing it through Zoom, and I and I can't get that feedback from a Zoom call like I can when I'm in a room with a bunch of people.
2: I hear you. It's
0: funny because then people go, "Oh, you're so extroverted and gregarious, and you you know you can you can hold a room." And then I will tell you, mingling is the worst thing ever. I uh, I am not good at it. I I don't know what. to to talk about. I, I always appreciate when somebody pulls me into a conversation because I'm not quite sure how to start one. And so, yeah. But uh, when I describe what I do, I'm a technologist with more than 35 years of, of experience. I've had a couple of startups of my own. I truly believe in doing Agile in a lot of different ways, not just in software development. And then a big part of that is also then the D&I work that I do in order to try to bring women and other minorities into computer science and and different STEM fields. My job at PNC currently is supporting one of the largest revenue generating parts of our bank and trying to modernize their platforms at the same time as supporting the day-to-day operations. But at the same time, I'm also volunteering everywhere. So, you know, I, I do podcasts like this. I, I speak at different, um, you know, for Women's Month, I actually spoke three times to wow. different companies out there. People just call me up. Apparently they like what I have to talk about. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then like you said, I am on the board of direct, or maybe you didn't. I, uh, I said I'm on the board of directors of Out and Equal. So trying to do a lot of work for that amazing organization.
2: Absolutely. And that's actually where we met multiple times at the exactly. Out and Equal Workplace Summits. So excited for that to return in the fall as well. So Jen, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is that you've got this, you know, 35 years in the technology space. So when you think back through your career, what have been some of the biggest career breakthrough moments for you that you really felt like you were moving ahead or found yourself in a a key place in your career?
0: So my company that I founded, my second company, Rovion, was in the marketing space. And so then I started um, working with a lot of creative people, a lot of uh, entertainers, actually, and sports stars, which was really fun, really talking about what is the messaging and how can the tools that I created help that messaging uh, you know, come out. I was lucky enough that USA Today at the time, and this is 15 years ago, said I had invented the most annoying form of advertising on the internet at that time. (laughs) So... I that, and what, that's what, what was this, what did
2: they what was so annoying what was it so so what it is is
0: I created the software that allowed you to do essentially like you know a weatherman walking in front of a green screen yeah but do that in front of a website so it, uh, we, we we could film people in front of green screens and it looks like they were walking around on top of the website itself and one of the things about the psychology of it is that we have this little thing in the side of our head that identifies faces and in fact it's one of the first things that our are activated when you're born. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's part of being a human being is being able to identify faces. When somebody walks out on your screen and starts talking about their website, it's really, really hard to ignore them. And so uh, we started using that. I originally created that as a tool and we turned it around and became a media company partnered with great corporations like the NBA. We actually got a really good contract with several of the Hollywood studios. NASCAR was fun. Just all kinds of, and I got to meet all the, these great people because they were using them for their ad campaigns. And yeah. I mean, my claim to fame is that I got to be a director of a shoot with Mariah Carey. And that's a whole long all day story. <laughs> well, all I'm going to hear of, that one. Later. All kinds <laughs> of dirt. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll share it later over some tea. And then moving on after I, I went ahead and left and we sold off that company. I started going into consulting at that point. And for me, what was really interesting for that is that learning all these different industries, whether it's manufacturing or finance or healthcare, going in there and seeing a lot of the exact same problems that were happening in one industry that were happening in another that could be solved by technology that maybe they hadn't even considered. So that was eye opening for me. And then I got back into an agency I became the head of technology for a, for a digital agency and that was war- working with world World class brands. So P&G and Smuckers and, you know, ConAgra and Microsoft and really doing some extremely creative things with those guys. And what was interesting there was working with people whose whole job was being creative, yeah. you know, and then, and watching them pitch and, and, and that there was actually a methodology behind it. It's just not being clever. There's actually ways, that, you know, methods to their madness. I really enjoyed that. And then I moved on to finance. Um, and that's where I am now. And, In finance is a highly regulated industry. You've got to have a lot more rules there, but it's allowed me to take my learnings over this 35 years of, of doing technology and leading people in technology and bringing it to an industry that quite frankly affects everybody's lives. Everybody has a checking account or if they don't, they should. Um, there, you know, or savings account or a mortgage or, you know, my group just did the PPP loans for COVID over Mm. this last summer. I mean, we affected millions and millions of people being able to keep their jobs and small businesses being able to stay open. That means a lot to me personally. And I, and that, that I loved it.
2: Yes. And thank you for doing that. I know <laughs> uh, that that has been keeping people afloat. So Jen, I know you are also so passionate and you talked about it right at the get go around the volunteer work that you do. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about that. And how does that sort of supplement and complement the work that you do for a living?
0: Sure, sure. I do three different types of gatherings and groups, um, LGBTQ oriented, um, being an open bisexual trans woman. It's really important for me to support my community and, and, and represent what we can be. So that's, that's very important to me. Also women in technology. There are not enough women in technology. The numbers are actually getting smaller, not larger over really? the last, oh, over the last decade or two. There's a real issue there. And so I'm starting to talk about some alternative methodology for bringing women into technology and trying to support that at the corporate level. And then finally, um, uh, uh, you know, just technology in general. And so, you know, what are the best best methods? Because when I look at somebody at my level, I have to be good at three separate things. I have to be good at um, at the technology itself. I need to know it in depth so that I can make the proper recommendations to my business partners and be able to describe it easily to them. I need to be, I need to have a team of people that can actually use that technology to solve the problems and make sure that they're happy and they're bringing their whole true selves to work so that we can get those diverse points of view and, and you know, really have a good morale and, 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 and get the software out that really actually affects people that are just like them. Um, that's super important. And then I have to have my methodology, which for me is agile, so that I can deliver value as quickly as possible and iterate so that we can change very quickly if the market or the needs of our customers change very quickly. I see all three of those activities that I not only do for my day job, but I also do for my, my volunteer work. They overlap with each other. And that's yeah. one of the great things about it is I really love my work. And so it doesn't feel like like extra work to, to do those volunteer type of things in the evening or on the weekends or, or wherever, whenever.
2: Yeah. So it sounds like you've really melded your passions along with the great talents and skills that you have.
0: Yeah, I tried to.
2: (laughs) So you said that you're all about creating value. And, you know, I think that's what brands are all about. So how would you describe your executive brand as a leader?
0: Well, it's interesting because back when I had Rovion, back when I started my company, we actually brought in a branding and marketing company Ooh. and they taught us a whole bunch. We did a whole, full day session with them where they taught us a whole lot of things, which I appreciated. And one of the things that they w- talked about is what was called brand DNA and yeah. brand DNA is just, you know, the whole concept of can you boil down what your brand means to people in in just two words is usually what they wanna go with. So the example that they gave was Starbucks, which was for them was quality and community. Wherever you went in the world, you got a quality product, you knew exactly what you're going to get and community. We wanted people to come to Starbucks to communicate with each other, to have, you know, to socialize with each other. And so Mm. those were their core brands. So when I looked at my, I said, wow, that's really cool. We need to figure it out for us, but I want to figure it out for me in particular. And so I spent a long time really looking at that. And my two words are engaging and expertise. I want people to understand I'm not just talking. I've actually lived this. I've done this. I've, I know what I'm talking about. I've had the history and the education and, and, the, and the experience. But I also want to be engaging because quite frankly, technologists can be a little dry. We can uh, <laughs> be a little boring sometimes. And I don't want to sit for an hour and a half listening to somebody drone on and on. I don't want to, uh, um, have material dumbed down for me. I want to make sure that I'm entertained and therefore I want to give that to the people that I'm engaging with as well. I want to make sure that they understand that when I'm speaking, I'm going to make it fun, but I'm going to make it educational and we're going to, we're going to get some really neat things out of, out of the time that we're spending with each other. And I do have to say, you know, going back to my speaking in front of large groups, my father was a preacher and so I would see him every Sunday Every, well, every Saturday practicing and then every Sunday actually doing it. And he was a very humble man who was a completely different person when he was on stage. I oh, almost wow, didn't recognize really? him, but he caught the audience's attention. He mm. could, te- and there was always a teaching moment with what he was speaking about. And so that really impressed upon me at a young age that, that power of telling a story and telling it in an engaging way.
2: And so you said your dad seemed like a different person on stage. Is Jen a different person on stage?
0: Uh a little bit. A little bit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so Jen, I love that you really defined your brand DNA as expertise and engaging, right? Because I know so many technologists actually struggle with that piece, right? Is Mm -hmm. that they're really great at what they do, not necessarily great at engaging other people and even being able to understand what that work is. So you talked a little bit about being on stage. What is it that you do to show up intentionally every day at work that is engaging and expertise hand in hand?
0: Well, and this—I got to admit—I stole this from somebody. So you learn—you learn learn things (laughs) from a lot of different people. Steal is exactly for your brand. In fact, I often say that my greatest skill is deciding exactly what to steal from other people um, and then regurgitating (laughs) it. But I had a really good friend of mine when I was working for that marketing agency. We would be in these large meetings. I'd be talking about something. Obviously, I'd be passionate about it because that's—I tend to be a bit passionate about these things—and you know, I knew that he was on my side, but he wouldn't say anything. Okay. So we have an hour long meeting and he wouldn't say anything. And I'm struggling. Cause I'm like, I need support on this, but he's not saying anything. We get to all the way to the end. And with like five minutes left in the meeting, he finally chimes up and says, blah, 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 blah to support me. And, and off he goes. And so finally I took him to lunch and I was like, Hey dude, I need your help here. I need, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, peddling the entire time trying to keep these ideas afloat, trying to convince people. And you're just sitting there quiet. What's going on? And he goes, well, here's the deal. It's more powerful for me to say something in the last five minutes than it is for you to talk for 55 minutes. Mm. So I stole that. So I will now with my group of folks, I will sit back and I will watch the conversation and I will take notes on the arguments pro and con And I will wait to the last 10 minutes of a, unless it's something just as, is just egregious. Sit there, sit there on my hands and wait for the last 10 minutes. And then finally go, here's my, here's my wisdom that I've been boiling for 50 minutes for you. And, and that really does work because then what happens is they're used to somebody who talks all the time and it's easy to tune them out. Mm -hmm. If somebody is talking sparingly, it means they have something really important to say. Mm. Um, and it's similar to the advice that I give my children around swearing. Um, <laughs> I, I just like, let me, let me put it this way. Swearing for me is a weak mind trying to, trying to express itself forcefully. And if you swear all the time, I won't know when you're actually upset and really mad. Mm. So use it sparingly. And I, I believe that you should use your voice and what you do when it, it can be at its most powerful.
2: Wow. I love that. So that's kind of a great example of, of sort of evolving some of your brand or evolving some of the ways that you show up over, over time. Talk to me a little bit about how coming out in the workplace and transitioning in the workplace has impacted your brand.
0: So. I've talked about this before because there's a, it's interesting being a trans person, especially somebody who transitioned later, you kind of seen, you know, both sides of the gender dynamic. And, I, and I'd like, and I'd love to be very, not politically correct, but I'd like to be able to say, you know, it's really not that different. You know, it, you know, we, 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 tra- it's all stereotypes and the stereotypes aren't true. Nah, they actually are. There, you know, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. Sometimes. So, for instance, before I transitioned, well, you, you guys can't see me, but I'm actually six foot four. I'm a very tall, big person. I play basketball, and it's funny because when I watch NFL, some of the uh, linebackers are smaller than me. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> so one of those things is that before I transitioned. Quite often, I would be used to fix things in different teams. So my boss would go, "Hey, why don't you go to this team that's having trouble and knock their heads together? You know, straighten them up, scare them straight, I guess, or something like that." Mm-hmm. And it's because I was authoritative, but at the same time, I was also physically intimidating just yeah. in my size, and and I was a leader. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was after I transitioned. I got more often than not, hey, can you go to this team or this individual? They're having a really tough time. Can you sit down and have a nice talk with them? So what happened was I started being known for my emotional intelligence as opposed to my, you know, just push it forward, bull in a china shop type of activity. Now, I can't say that's because I changed that much. I obviously changed physically, but I don't know whether that was because I was perceived differently or because a person who hasn't transitioned, who is trans, at least for my experience, I can't speak for everybody. It's like, it's like having a migraine headache all day long. It's very tough to be nice to people to think about other people's feelings when you're constantly hurting in some way. Mm. And so I think, or at least it's my supposition, that by removing that pain from my life, I was able to be much more open and honest and empathetic to the people that I work with. So I'm kind of known for like, you know, in the teams, for instance, we'll be talking about schedules and budgets and all that kind of stuff. And I'll be like, how do we make a healthy work-life balance for our folks? You know, how do I make sure that people are are excited and happy to come to work I'm not often doing a lot of work around this is this particular piece of technology we should be using, or this is the, the, the techniques we should do to de-risk and all that kind of stuff. That's sort of like table stakes for me. Yeah. The emotional part of it is I think I can do well with a really healthy crew who are both mentally and physically empowered by being, you know, with us as opposed to, oh, we just need to buy another software package and everything will be solved. And so for me, that transition, Really affected um, how I'm allowed to interact with other people. The other thing is, then I also started looking at, you know, I always was aware of of uh, DNI and and looking at the mix of my teams and the uh, the different types of uh, backgrounds that people come from that I'm I'm trying to employ and support, and I'm now able to be more vocal about that because it doesn't seem like now. I'm trying, I, I don't have a, I actually have stakes in the game. I, before it was like, oh, that's a good platitude as a leader, you know? And so great. Thank you. You talked the talking point, congratulations where now it's like, no, this is personal to me. I really need to make sure that we're doing things that allow people who have had similar experiences to myself to flourish here.
2: What a great way to talk about why being out in the workplace is so important, right? It's like, how do you lift all of that weight and all of that sadness, right? Or all of that hurt that you were talking about that then enables you to just connect in a whole different way. So Jen, tell me a little bit about growing up. Did you always want to be in tech?
0: Originally, I wanted to be an astronaut, but then I Ooh. found out you couldn't be an astronaut unless you were under six foot tall. So that, that went really? away really quickly. Like, yes. I didn't they don't even make, know that. They don't make the suits big enough. Uh, they just, you know, uh, you know, it just, it, it is what it is. So I want to be an astronaut, but I was always fascinated with science. I actually went to school for physics. I didn't go for computer science. I thought I knew all about computers by the time I was 18. So I didn't need to know anymore, you know, hubris <laughs> of the teenager, but I was very lucky. In in that when I was eight years old, there was a, a family that lived across the street from us, and the dad worked for NASA. And so he had bought a home computer and, and it was one of the first computers that I was allowed to play on. They they I asked if I could do some programming on it, to learn about it. Um, I got a book from the library that had all these games written in basic. And, and so I would spend I probably spent more hours on that computer than his son did because I just I just fell in love with it. And so my mom bought me my first computer that Christmas after I started doing that. And so I've been doing it a very long time. My first job where I was actually paid when I was 15, Chevron brought me in as an intern and I wrote software on this, what is called a Vax Mini, which is, uh, you know, has about the same, um, probably has about the same computing power as a modern day remote control or something like that. Um, <laughs> And you know, this was I was I was raised in the oil fields of Colorado, up in upstate Colorado. So we were surrounded by all these oil wells. Chevron owned the whole place, and so they brought me in, and I was doing what was called borehole pressure simulators, which was they were trying to figure out the different pressures and things that would make the the earth down low crack so that oil could seep in. If that sounds very familiar, that was the predecessor to fracking. Now, wow. so I actually help these guys figure out fracking a little bit even though when I you were in what the, high school when i was in high school i didn't know what i was doing but i was like does this is it the calculations right yeah that's great oh, Cool, cool <laughs> I'm, I'm doing oh it gosh. you know and then right out of college i went i was with a startup in, in Terre Haute, indiana that was all around agriculture and then i had to move out to california so i was then in the silicon valley for four or five years where i had my first startup there, which was a fax on demand company. So back then, if you needed tech support, you would call, call on the phone and you had this catalog and you would say, OK, fax me document 5592, which would be how to, I don't know, switch the jumpers on a hard drive or something like that. And then we would fax them to you. So we did that for several years. Microsoft was one of our clients. Pacific Bell was one of our clients. Uh, I've got great stories about Pacific Bell, by the way. We got to share those (laughs) as well. Because we were actually using it for marketing material. So it was like the first time I actually started doing some interacting with marketing people. And then what happened was, three, four years into it, sales just dropped off a cliff. Nobody wanted to buy our system. And so I started calling up people and saying, hey, you know, hey, what happened? You were going to buy this or you would need some more lines or whatever. And they go... Yeah, but this thing you've got is a computer and what we call the T1 line, you know, uh, a telephone line. And there's this new thing called um, a web server. And I think we're going to try it because it takes the same hardware. And we're just going to figure that one out. And and I was like, no, 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 no. Web server, that's ridiculous. Everybody has a fax machine. Even your dry cleaner has a fax machine. Why, (laughs) Why in the world would you want this web thing? And so then I talked to my partner and I like, we're out. The future's here. We're out. I started doing some web application development and other stuff then. And and we sold the company off to one of our customers who was supporting Microsoft. And so that was a story. That was the story of that. And yeah. And then like, it's a bunch of consulting, then mortgage industry, healthcare industry. And then I started up my second company, Rovion.
2: Yeah. And so tell me, you've had this interesting experience of... Working in a startup, leading a startup, selling a startup. And then you have these experiences where you work for big corporations, right? Big heritage, legacy corporations. You know, what's kind of the secret, secret sauce to being able to work in both of those very different environments?
0: Well, it's, it's, difficult. And the reason for it is that so when you're an entrepreneur, you can pretty much do whatever you want. And that's mm-hmm. that's a dual edged sword. You can do some really smart things and some really stupid things. <laughs> and, but you get to do it fast. So you, you, you learn not to touch that hot stove A couple of times. um, And it's a very quick, uh, very quick lesson. Whereas working for a large company, they're very slow. Even the most advanced companies, like I worked for Capital One, very, very advanced company, but still still would take six months or so to get a product out, which is unbelievably fast in the financial industry. Whereas if I was with a startup, I could probably go from idea to prototype to getting it on the market in less than 60 days. Um, Now, I don't have the regulatory oversight and all that kind of stuff. I don't have change management. I don't have all the paperwork that you have to do and all that kind of stuff. So you do have to temper your expectations around speed and the around your ability to Mm -hmm. deliver. The other thing is then from a branding standpoint, you know, when you're you're just begging for PR uh, and and mentions in the paper <laughs> when you're a small company, there's a thousand different small, you know, startups that you could possibly, uh, you know, that are just looking for a line in the Wall Street Journal or whatever. Whereas from a large company standpoint, a fortune 500 standpoint, I start then concentrating on personal brand building as opposed to brand building of the company. I know what the brand of the company is. Hopefully it's been explained to me rather well when I was onboarded and then you start to learn it as to What are the projects that you're being given and why are they being prioritized? That tells you a lot about what they're trying to accomplish and what their brand is. So the personal brand building is then saying, hey, how many people outside of my immediate circle in this 70,000 person company know me and at least know what I do and know of me? And one of the great things that I found is that if you work for one of those large companies, being part of the ERG, BRGs is a great yeah. way of building personal brand building, because then you get to interact with people who normally wouldn't be working with you on a day-to-day basis over a, a thing that's passionate to them. So if you're part of your LGBTQ ERG, or if you're part of the military one, or a, a Latinx, you've got all these great places where you can meet other people who you wouldn't interact with on a regular basis and it's social. So then you get to say, I mean, the first thing that that always happens is, you know, hi, I'm Jen. I'm, you know, I'm an SVP for this. Oh, that's really interesting. I work over here. And then you start to get to know people and that kind of stuff. The other thing is that, Now that I've done this for a few larger companies, the recruiting directors and people who do PR for that company start tapping you on the shoulder and go, (laughs) hey, you know, we're trying to recruit on this campus. Could you go speak to the women in computing group there? Hey, we're going to go to this conference. Do you mind speaking for half an hour on this panel around streaming technology or whatever? So you start getting tapped a bit when they know that you're a reliable resource to represent the company itself as a brand ambassador.
2: Absolutely. So I'm interested to get your thoughts on how how do you make sure that your brand isn't that trans executive versus yeah. just <laughs> that executive? You know, and I know I've, I've grappled with that because I never want to be known as like, oh, that gay speaker, right? I just exactly. want to be known as a great speaker.
0: Uh, there's a couple of things there. One, I rarely outside of specific conferences talk about being trans. Mm. And it was interesting because when I got hired at Capital One, it was a full six or seven months before somebody from the LGBTQ ERG reached out and said, hey, do you want to do you want to be part of pride this year with us? So they were very good at it, just not talking about it, about me being trans. And I am open around my history. I mean, honestly, when I transitioned my office, my company had to put out a press release to all of our, all of our um, customers to let them know this person is named Jen now. And, and, she, you know, these are her pronouns and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, I couldn't do it in a stealth manner. It was just, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't available for me. So that's important. The other thing is that I'm very vocal about the support that we have for trans and non-binary employees. And so they know it's important to me and I'm I'm fine with owning that. I honestly am because I really believe that your differences, what what you are as what as, anything that you bring that's different to your to your to your job should be a superpower. It should be something that you can say I am proud to be trans. I am proud to be bi. And anybody else can say, I'm proud to be, you know, I'm Latinx. I'm proud to be ex-military. I'm, I'm going to own it and I'm going to bring it as part of who I am because otherwise I'm cutting off a really important portion of myself. So I like to say that hopefully... My my history in technology, my history in business, the way that I speak about the things that I'm passionate about are way more interesting than the fact that I happen to be trans. So I hope that I'm not coming across as that trans executive. I think I'm coming across that executive with a lot of experience who should be listened to. Oh, and she just happens to be trans.
2: Yeah. So a couple of fun questions as we close out. We've been talking all about brands, right? What is your favorite brand as a consumer? What are you obsessed with?
0: Oh, my God. So like I said, Starbucks was a great one for me. It was a great lesson because the, the second part of that is that, you know, when they were doing quality and community, you can watch and you can actually see this in their stock price over the years is that as soon as they decided that they were going to start selling Starbucks at the airport and inside of Targets and all that kind of stuff, yeah. stock went straight down. And the reason why? Because they forgot about the community part of it. Yeah. And they learned a lesson from that, that they were oversaturating because they were just trying to be everywhere. And so they had to pull back. Now they now have a hybrid model, but you could see how that, that um, damaged their brand unintentionally by just trying to grow. Yeah. But for me, I got to tell you, I just had a major birthday. I'm not going to say which one. <laughs> and I bought myself a BMW. Ooh. And yeah, it's my first high end car. Um, my first new car, honestly. The branding experience of BMW, the the welcoming you into the fold at BMW, your first experience of getting an oil change with BMW amazing just absolutely amazing and i know it's expensive and i know i know it's a it's a premium brand but god it's so much fun i mean it really is a, a, a place for you to they really pamper you but you pay for that experience so and i know
2: you you have that new car yes if you were a type of car what type of car would jen henderson be
0: oh so hard so hard i'm a lamborghini baby no um <laughs> it, honestly probably something custom built i i you know it's really interesting if you go over my resume i haven't seen a lot of people that have had the history that i've had yeah in both my personal and business life so i'm not sure i i think i'm something that some uh somebody slapped together in a garage and, the, and you know souped it up a little bit put a fresh coat of paint on and here i am
2: Absolutely. And Jen, what is the best career advice that you would pass on to our listeners?
0: Sure. So I, I, like I said, I do a lot of work with young technologists, um, you know, trying to make sure that their career is moving in the proper direction. And They quite often ask me, you know, should I be concentrating on artificial intelligence or should I be learning this language or this framework or, you know, what conferences should I go to? Or, you know, how should I how should I become a good technologist, a a good person in this industry? And my number one response to them is learn how to speak in front of a group. Mm. Just learn how to speak in front of a group. If you have to go to Toastmasters, go to Toastmasters if that works for you. If you don't want to do that, take every opportunity even if it's in front of three people, to introduce a subject, to to talk about something. In this world, you can be the smartest per- person ever. You can be driven to learn something. But if you cannot share it with your with the folks that are around you, you're pretty useless to me because I'm building teams. I'm building groups that are thinking together and moving in the same direction. And that's the power. And if I can't have you guys communicating with each other, then I might as well not have you.
2: Well, Jen Henderson, thank you for bringing your expertise and fabulous engaging conversation. (laughs) It was so great catching up with you. Oh,
0: I loved it. I loved it. Thank you so much for inviting me.
2: And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts.
1: Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level?
2: Wow, I just loved our conversation with Jennifer Henderson. She had so many amazing tips and tricks that I know I am beg borrowing and stealing from her. But you know what really, really stood out for me? I loved that she talked about how important it is to be out at work. When she came out at work, she was able to let go of all of the hurt that she was feeling and become a more leader. And at the end of the day, that's what bringing your best authentic self to work is all about. If you're hiding who you are, all of your energy goes into hiding who you are when what you really want is that energy to bring the best of you to create value for your company and your team. So I can't think of a better message for LGBTQ plus Pride Month. Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you get your podcast so you get delivered a new episode every single Tuesday. Now follow me on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms, and I share tons of tips and tricks on how to lead with your brand on LinkedIn. And remember, in your career, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. Be a super premium and proud
1: full brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead with Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria.